edit that out, please. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation. Broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. We are back in the heart of all things, the heart of the universe. Of course, that's Clarendon. I'm your host, Chris Farley, back again for episode 252. And alongside me, I've got one of our co-hosts, Julie Cully in studio. Julie, what's up? Hey, it's an exciting time, a couple of weeks before Halloween. Mm-hmm. We've had, it's just been a really fun like build up to Halloween this year. I feel like the pandemic is getting people out. And Are you being sarcastic about no, that? No, 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 no. Like okay. decorating their houses. Oh, I, like oh, I, I agree seen with that. So, we've seen so many more decorations, people getting into it. You know, it's, people are home, I right? agree, I agree. I, I, I do believe that people are bringing it. Bringing it this year. Bringing it. Yeah. Our kids call them spooky houses. They're Going really on a bringing couple it. Spooky, spooky house tours. Tour. Yep. Yeah. Um, what's disappointing, and what we're going to talk about road races today, is that I always associate Halloween with, you know, sometimes it falls on the same weekend or the same day sometimes as Marine Corps or, you know, the same time as the New York City Marathon. So I, I just associate that with, you know, costumes in New York City before the marathon after the marathon during the marathon what have you uh and that's not going to happen this year yeah it's weird too because it's also a college championship uh, conference championship mm -hmm. weekend which for some conferences will happen yep um but for the Big East which is where we just came from with uh Georgetown that will not happen this fall so it's a it's just a strange time we're going to talk about that related topics with our guest today. Uh, Docs is not going to be here today, unfortunately. Today, we're excited to have uh, the CEO and founder of Tracksmith, Matt Taylor, is going to join us. And, and I said what he's going to talk about is associated with what you're talking about because he is trying to support the track teams. Uh, a lot of track and field programs uh, we've talked about a lot on this program are, are, are under... Uh, under fire right now and uh on the chopping block on the, the chopping NCAA. block and uh he's he is trying to support uh collegiate track and field programs he has taken some actions to try to support some of these collegiate programs and uh, he's going to tell us all about that today on the program we'll get into a few other things we haven't had matt on the program but his brand tracksmith really cool um they've been on the scene for a few years now and done some really cool stuff uh, so we'll have Matt Taylor, CEO and founder of Tracksmith on also on today's program. Uh, we, you know, we didn't touch on the London Marathon and the results of the London Marathon. Some really exciting finishes. Um, well, one in particular for an American runner uh, that was pretty awesome. I want to touch on that with you today, Julie. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll circle back with uh, some NCAA uh, conversations towards the end of the program as well. Uh, so... We actually have a lot of like running talk to do today. Running talk yeah. and college related running yeah. talk, yeah. which is exciting. Yep. And we've talked so many times on this program about, unfortunately, about programs that are under fire, like Chris said. Um, but it sounds like we're going to have a pathway to support some of those programs um, from what we're going to hear from Matt today. Yeah, absolutely. So we were just talking about the fall road races and how a lot of them are not happening. 
Um, but there are, there are some races popping up here and there, which has been really cool to see. Uh, we've had, you know, uh, Andy from EX2 most recently on the show to talk about some of the trail races. I was timing a cross-country, a high school uh, AAU cross-country meet uh, a, the, for the last two weeks, which was really exciting. And there are some races that are, are happening. So that's, that's really exciting, including one in Albany coming up mid-November. And I, I wanted to uh, call out uh, someone who tweeted us, and I wanted to thank them for their tweet because, you know, they mentioned me and asked me the question whether... Uh, well, of course we have to give them credit if they're going to mention so, you. Absolutely. So Gabriel Higgins, props, Gabriel Higgins, appreciate you reaching out. He said, I think the PTN listeners are wondering how Run Pacer is going to continue his sub three-hour marathon streak this year. Could you address that on the next episode? Well... What would an episode be without some mention of the streak? Yes. Or a streak or someone else's streak? But well, let's bring it back to your to streak. To my streak. So thank you, Gabriel. Um, I am cramming. It's like I'm cramming for a test in college. Um, but I'm probably actually doing more work than I would have done in college. But I'm cramming for a marathon November 15th in Albany. My buddy Josh Merlis and his team at ARE, um, they're putting on an in-person race. It's going to be wave starts, few people starting at, uh, you know, a, a, throughout the, the, the morning, uh, a two-loop course in Albany, um, and there's going to be a group of, of folks who are going to be trying to run 259.59. So I'll be in that group. You will be in that group. I hope if I if, if you let me go up there for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're still, we're uh, still let's, negotiating Let's that. be honest. You've been cramming for marathons for a long time yeah, now. This is true. not new hat for you. No, it's not. I was hopeful that it wouldn't have to be a solo effort. But, um, yeah, a true, a, a real marathon with, with you know, professional, uh, a professional organization putting it on, professionally timed and... So, gotta I think we should just be, yeah, I think, I think you just need to be thinking about the fact that there is no backup plan this time, <laughs> right? Like this there's no it. extra marathon no, you can it. sign up for real this quick is and this if, is it. If it doesn't this happen, is your yeah, shot. we're done. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so thank you, Gabriel. And I'm looking forward to uh, middle of November for that marathon. All right. Uh, Julie, excited to be joined next uh, by the founder and CEO of Tracksmith. He's doing some really cool things uh, for our sport. Next up, Matt Taylor of Tracksmith right here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Julie, we're excited to be joined on the phone I believe from Boston or the Boston area is the CEO and founder of Tracksmith is Matt Taylor. Matt, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for joining us. So are you, you guys are based in the Boston area, New England area. Is that correct? We are. Yeah, we're um, we're right in in downtown. Um, our store and our office are both basically right around the corner from the finish line of the Boston Marathon. Oh, so right man. in the back bay. What a great spot, man. Um, so you guys have, and I've been to your store, and but I didn't realize that's your corporate offices too. And I assume, you know, nobody's going to that office or what's the status of your office currently? Yeah, we're, um, we're pretty much all working from home. Um, you know, we occasionally will have folks go into the office because we, you know, we do make physical products. And so we're getting, you know, samples and prototypes and fabric swatches. And so occasionally some people will go in. 
Um, but for the most part, we are all working from home. Um, we have three three floors in the building, and so the other two um, are our retail space mm-hmm. um, and sort of community center. And and so the retail store is open, but with sort of you know limitations sure. and restrictions, just following the Boston city guidelines. Um, we just opened that back up a few weeks ago, so um, you know retail is is quiet, but mm-hmm. um, but we were sort of you know we we wanted to get the store open and. Um, so, you know, we're going to monitor that for the next few weeks or so as, um, we get into the fall here and people are back in school in Boston. And so it's getting a little busier now, but. Well, you've been busy doing other things besides, you know, you've, you've got your business with Tracksmith, but props for moving things forward the best that you can. And we're going to talk to, to you about what you're doing with, you know, how you're supporting track teams and, uh, some other things that you're doing, but, um, Tracksmith, how old is the tracksmith brand and just really quickly how you know how did you how did you become the founder or how did you become come up with the idea for it yeah so we um we're actually we just passed sort of the five-year mark so we're heading into our sixth year um and i you know i that's sort of from from the day we launched i've been working on it probably for right. uh closer to maybe eight years right. um so yeah i mean i i um obviously I, I ran in high school and college and a little bit post-collegiately i still run and and compete now i'm just a lot slower mm-hmm. um i've worked in the industry you know pretty much my entire career sort of started more generally in sports marketing and um my path sort of um wandered a bit there but then sort of got back on track on the on the running side of things um and ultimately uh, ended up at puma for about four years um as the head of global marketing for the running and training category and um that's sort of when you know some of the ideas started to come together and um just got to a point in my life where you know my wife and i were sort of in a position where we thought we could we could take that risk um and one of us try to start something and so um so, so we did. I did. And uh, Tracksmith, for the, a lot of our listeners probably know your brand, but uh, what would what would you how would you describe the brand of apparel that you guys make? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we. I mean, we're performance running brand. You mm-hmm. know, first and, and foremost. Um, I think you know, really, my desire founding the company was to um, elevate the sport. So how it's presented sort of visually and emotionally um, through storytelling and then, you know, to really elevate the runner's experience with it. And Mm -hmm. so that comes across, I I think, in sort of three distinct ways for us. Um, Culturally, there was, um, you know, just a big void, you know, so we're rooted in the sport. We intimately understand the lifestyle of a committed runner. You guys know that as Mm -hmm. well as anyone, Mm -hmm. you know, and so so there was that component um, aesthetically, we brought a pretty simple and timeless style to a category that was, frankly, um, I don't know, quite monotonous, <laughs> not not super considered. You know, a lot of the resources were going into footwear and apparel for most of the brands was it was an afterthought, and that mm-hmm. showed. Um, and then, you know, really, our approach to product creation is just very distinct because we're not really driven by a formula, and we're not really driven by sort of the big box sort of wholesale merchandising, um, you know, strategy that a lot of, um, other brands are forced to sort of play into. And, and so it just allows us to let the, you know, let creativity and, and let culture drive our process. So those things combine to sort of create something hopefully quite distinct and unique mm-hmm. in the market. 
Why is running for you personally so important? I mean, it's just who it's just who I am, right? It's been such a huge part of my life going back to, you know, going back to high school, maybe a little bit before I was, I was playing other sports early on and but really got into running and, and fell in love with running. And it's just something that has um, been a part of, of my identity, um, you know, for a very long time. And so, you know, we, we just, that's where we're focused and mm -hmm. we're kind of gotten to a point, I think, where um, a lot of brands want to be for everybody. And so it's very easy to sort of say, well, we could do like a yoga line or we could do, you know, something sort of on, on the fringes of, of running. But for us, it's just not something we're, interested in doing and are just laser focused on you know really trying to support again what we would sort of call like a committed runner it's not about how fast you are how far you run or or anything like that but just more more so that mindset of you know you are you are training to get faster and you yeah. want to push yourself personally to see um to see where that leads you've got a new fellowship tell us about that yeah, so the fellowship program has been an idea that's been bouncing around um, the office for many years, mm -hmm. um, and we finally got our act together and, and sort of got it launched. Um, you know, we we from the very very beginning um, have always thought that creativity and running kind of go hand in hand. You know, being out there a lot of times by yourself for for a lot of time right. during the week. Um, has a way of sort of unlocking ideas and thoughts. Um, and some of us are, are creative and that can lead to some really interesting creative pursuits. And as a brand, we've been fortunate to work with some amazing creative individuals, whether they're, you know, photographers or writers or, or filmmakers. And so, you know, running is, as you guys know, as well as anyone is, um, it's a pretty small uh, industry in terms of you know there's what one magazine um <laughs> in the sport right. there's you know a handful of websites yeah, that cover the sport right. so if you're a creative professional in running it's really hard to find opportunities to break through and have your work um actually reach an audience and so the idea behind the fellowship was to support you know um a handful of um, you know, up and coming creatives who are finding ways to combine their their running passion with their creative passions. And so we're right now we're at the stage of um, we've we've received all the submissions. We've received hundreds of submissions, wow. I think over four four hundred wow. um, incredible ideas. We're sort of um, working with a, a group of judges, internal and external and narrowing that down we've done a lot of interviews um with folks just to you know ones that we we earmarked as um what we thought were really strong and so yeah we're getting getting closer to um you know actually announcing the finalists but still need to work through the process a bit and it's going to be you're giving away money too, like fifty thousand dollars in a paid fellowship yeah. is that both those things yeah so it'll be so we have a, a total budget of fifty thousand wow. dollars so you know, every project had to submit a proposed budget and those range from, you know, a few thousand dollars sure. and some of them even go above the $50,000. So we're looking at that, you know, we, we, we've committed 50. So mm -hmm. in the end, I'm guessing we will select like three to five, um, fellows. Um, they won't all receive the exact same amount because their projects aren't necessarily the same, you know, and, um, and, you know, in, in some cases someone may, um, being, you know, they may be interested in being able to partially fund their project, not funding the entire thing. So there's even some projects that are more ambitious and, and maybe they would be interested in, you know, receiving some money towards that project, even if we can't cover the whole thing. So 
And then how are you going to showcase their, their work? So that will be, um, you know, individually uh, determined depending on the project. And so what we'll do after we've made the selections is we have some mentors that we will pair them up with depending on the project, you know, so if it's a writing project, maybe with a writer, photographer, et cetera. And then we'll find, you know, cause all of them are slightly different time scales in terms of when it will be completed. And then we'll work with each fellow to um, determine the sort of appropriate, you know, if it's just making this up, but if it's a photographer, you know, maybe it's a, um, it's a, it's a gallery show, at the Olympic trials in, in Eugene next year, right? Like that could be an example of how we would um, bring those individual fellowships to life and those creative projects to life. Man, I can't wait to see them. Very yeah. cool, man. Very, yeah. very cool. And timeline on us, us being able to see this, is it sort of next year, uh, Olympic trials timeline or could it be different? My guess is, yeah. yeah. I mean, it will depend. Some are like a little bit shorter timeline, things that could get kicked off um, sooner. I would say we will announce the finalists um the the award winners um i'd say within the next like month awesome. so at least people will know who they are and what the projects are and then you know can follow along with the progress um but yeah so some of them might take you know a year and some of them may be a little bit shorter and i think you guys have always i mean it's just so important to do at tracksmith i think you guys have always done things like this that it's so important to not just make great apparel you got to create content that's relevant to your audience yeah and, and I, I think you know that's just such a huge 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 advantage you'd agree i do i do i mean i think that's sort of you know that cultural element that i that i talked about um where i think that's you know that's just an important part of building a long-term foundation for mm -hmm. a brand i think that we can all agree that running in college changed the trajectory of our lives for the better I mean, I think I can speak for the three of us, <laughs> but for sure. it, you know, it, it, it sent is, us on the path that yes, we're currently on, yeah, it's shaped us, our friendships, our foundation, Absolutely. all of those things. So it's such, just such a huge, huge deal. And again, we're biased. We're, we're the three of us are in the industry and, you know, runners, et cetera. Um, but it's great to see you guys taking action and trying to support these collegiate track and field programs that have been recently been cut. Tell us what you're doing. So we have um, a virtual race coming up called the Alumni Championships where um, the idea was, you know, there's no everyone that that ran, you know, in at least in college and even in high school. Um, there was some championship, whether that was your league championship, state championship, NCAA championship. Right. And and for cross country runners, those are all being eliminated this mm -hmm. fall. There's very few athletes that are going to get a chance to run in, in that type of atmosphere. And so it was just sort of an idea. Could we um, create this sort of nationwide um, alumni championships through a virtual race? So anyone can can sign up. Um, you sort of select your school and between October 31st and November 8th, I believe, um, you run a two mile on the track or a 3200 will we'll convert it. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll have sort of this alumni championship where, you know, all of these teams sort of can compete, um, you know, all age groups. There's a master's division and an open division. But the point of that is that all of the proceeds from it um, will go into a fund to um, help support those programs that have been cut right now and are facing elimination or those programs that we know 
likely will be cut in the future because this isn't the end of cutting track and field programs. I think as we continue through COVID and sort of the, you know, colleges and universities continue just to, you know, struggle with a lot of these decisions around sports and and their businesses and their budgets. Um, it seems like track and field often becomes one of the first um, programs that is considered for for cuts. Um, and so, you know, I agree with you. you. You said it very well that, you know, that experience, especially in college, the collegiate experience, whether that's cross country or track and field, um, is very unique. And it is something that sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Um, and track and field specifically, it brings such a diverse group of athletes together in a way that I think really breaks down a lot of barriers and, and reduces a lot of biases in individuals. And if you're not exposed to things that are different than you, it's hard to break, break those down. And we're, we're living in a time when I think it's really important that our, our college athletes have more of those experiences rather than fewer of those mm -hmm. experiences. And so if we can create a sort of movement and momentum around the power of what track and field can do, not just for the athletes, because most of them are not going to carry on and be professionals or, or go to the Olympics as, as we all know, but they're going to go out into society and a lot of them will stay in the sport and in the industry and in, in one form or another. And so, you know, we just think it's an important um, experience. And if we can um, make sure that more of these programs can, can retain their teams, then, you know, more, more athletes get to have that experience. Well, thank you for that. It's obviously an incredibly important cause. Um, it's very relevant to what's happening in our space right now. Can you talk a little bit about like the timeline of this? Like where did the motivation come from? Obviously the experience of collegiate athletics, but I believe a couple of you guys graduated from Yale. Um, and then inside the Ivy League is when, you know, we really kind of were shaken as a community mm -hmm. with what was happening at Brown. Um, is that where kind of the heart and, and uh, motivation for this cause came from? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, internally, a, a lot of us have, have been um, involved in, and supporting those different initiatives. You know, the Brown one was probably um, the first one that, you know, really kind of garnered a bit of mass media attention um and um and obviously they they reversed their decision um and someone who played a big part of that was russell dinkins who ran at princeton um so he wasn't even a, a brown alumni <laughs> but sort that. of yeah exactly <laughs> but but i think you know most most conferences you know you're rivals when you're you're in school but um, you can form friendships out of that mutual respect mm -hmm. of having gone head to head for four for years. Sure. And, and so, and, and the Ivy league, like a lot of conferences, um, is very tight. It's a tight knit community. Um, the way that some of the other, you know, if you ran in the big East or the ACC, those, those communities are, are tight knit communities. So anyway, Russell obviously, you know, became, uh, sort of a bit of the voice for saving the Brown track and field program. Um, and and sort of flipped the conversation from it being a budgetary conversation to one of being a, a racial justice um, and an opportunity conversation. And that sort of is what I think propelled it to a bit more of a national conversation. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, Brown is a tiny school. And, um, you know, when it when it became Minnesota, you know, one of the big power conferences, all of a sudden, that's when I think people started to realize like, whoa, if, if Minnesota can cut track and field, like what's stopping any of the other big, you know, big schools from, from doing that. So 
Um, so yeah, it definitely started there. The alumni championships was something we were planning regardless. Mm-hmm. And, and so the two things kind of converged where it was like, we want to support this. What can we do? And then we have this virtual race that we've been planning. If we merge these two, um, you know, hopefully that will help garner a bit of support. Makes total sense. Great opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the role that Russell is playing with the alumni championships and maybe his role, you know, as a contributor to the brand now? Yeah. So we brought Russell on um, short term sort of consulting um, to help us um, just sort of like think through this. Um, He has very, uh, uh, very strong ambitions around a plan of how to do this. So it's not so much around waiting for a program to be cut and then, you know, getting all the alumni up in arms to try to save it. But there's actually some proactive steps around policy changes mm-hmm. and, you know, lobbying the the NCAA and, and the different sort of decision makers in the process. And so we, you know, our, our, our hope and we're getting there already is that the alumni championship race could fund um, you know, ru- basically Russell to be able to do this either on a part-time or full-time basis. Um, and Tracksmith has committed a little bit of our own money to that. And then through the alumni championships are hoping to, um, be able to commit more so that Russell it's, it's hard. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, there were other people that got involved in the Brown, uh, situation as well. And, um, you know, we, we talked to a few different folks on like, what'd you do? How did it work? You know, what was successful? What wasn't? Um, and you know, everyone just sort of would always mention Russell and, and how mm-hmm. organized he was and what a strong plan he was and how he sort of kept everyone on message because it's really easy to let emotion sort of get in the way and, and you got to stick. I mean, it's like any, right. it's like any cause you have to stick to a singular message that, that will resonate with the decision makers. So, so that's the, you know, that's the plan. I mean, the reality is, um, we'll see how the alumni championships do, um, how much money we're able to raise to to support that. And then also like, you know, what the long term, how much time is going to be required. Um, obviously, the Minnesota decision has been made. The William & Mary one is, has not yet. But like I said, there will likely be more programs in the future. So, And you can sign up uh, for this. And anybody can sign up, right? Is that right? Yeah. Matt? Yeah. Yes. Any- $20, $20, yep. um, $20 entry fee. Um, and people can obviously donate more. So we give an option to donate more. And again, a hundred percent of the, the proceeds from this will go to, um, you know, to this fund to help support Russell and others that will, um, you know, be able to hopefully, you know, prevent other programs from being cut. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm going tracksmith.com and I'm, I'm going through the run sign up process and I'll do that and sign up myself right after uh, this podcast. So that's really cool, man. Congrats on that. Um, so, you know, that's, <laughs> A few things that you're doing, but you got to keep business going. How has business been, you know, through COVID? It's, it, I, I mean, I'm sure it's been tough. It's been tough on everybody, but uh, how have you guys yeah. been maintaining? So, yeah, it's definitely has a lot of challenges and still some uncertainties, um, especially as maybe we're starting to face like a, a, a bit of a, a resurgence yeah. in the virus. And mm-hmm. so if we go back into lockdown, you know, if um, all over the world, our supply chain is global. And so, yep. you know, we have a lot a lot at stake in Europe and in Asia and, and in the U S. And so, um, we're kind of monitoring all of that. Uh, that said, we, you know, we panicked in the beginning, like everybody did. Um, but I think as, I you know, yes, yes yeah, for sure. yeah, I mean, uh, but as the weeks and, and months sort of went by in the beginning, I mean, we, we certainly are benefiting from 
two things. One, more people are shopping online, mm-hmm. and our business is predominantly um, an online business. There's yep. a little bit of wholesale in our, our one retail store. Um, and two is more people are running. I mean, we are all seeing that more people are coming to running because their gyms are closed, their studios are closed, maybe their pickup sports or rec sports are closed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a bit going on there um, that's beneficial. Um, so, you know, we also, though, had plans to be at all six of the major marathons with, with pop-ups and we had to cancel, you know, all of those. And, you know, we were starting to think about maybe opening a second store. And so mm-hmm. we just put all of those, you know, things on, on hold. So that's been, that's been tough, but, um, I'd say we're, we're fortunate, um, you know, in that, like I said, most of our business is online. Mm-hmm. So that's been helpful for us. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, and it's, you know, it's great to see that you're continuing to move forward because I, I also, um, cause the perception from somebody and we really appreciate the opportunity to be able to resell your, your stuff here at Pacers running. And we're, I know we're one of the few accounts yeah. per- perception was that, you know, you guys were like killing it and, and, and all was just fine. But I appreciate that. Uh, I guess misery loves company because I was just <laughs> miserable initially. We're not trying to like find more people no. who are on the struggle bus. But, uh, you know, but I saw, I saw you guys, you know, we want uh, everybody to be rocking and rolling. No, no doubt. I, I, I saw you guys, yeah. you know, sign, uh, you know, Nick Willis and Mary Kane. So it felt like, man, these guys are just going for it and killing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, those, those things were actually sort of in works pre COVID for sure. Um, yeah. And so, um, and yeah, I mean, we're, we're fortunate. We're in a position where, um, you know, we, we've had, we have a bit of, of, uh, you know, cash in the bank yep, for a little yep. bit of a, a safety net, and it's allowed us to. And and also, we we op, we have always operated quite lean mm-hmm. um, in the startup world. I mean, you hear these for stories sure. of brands that are you know, doing all these extravagant things, and, and we're pretty lean. Our team is is still pretty small. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it. I will say that you know, as as things got tougher, you know, it was it was easy to say, let's just like get in our shell and ride this out but there was another side of me that said well maybe there is some opportunity here to um you know do some things and and be a little bit more aggressive not necessarily things that are going to require a lot of of cash to do but Mm -hmm. things that we could do and and you know just so happened that things like the the fellowship and the amateur support program which is supporting athletes leading up to the olympic trials next year and this alumni championships not huge um investments from a cash perspective, but they're huge investments from our team and our time. But that's something that, you know, we, we all have. And so, I mean, I shouldn't say we all have, but we, but, but, but we can invest our time and, and our priorities change those around, um, as an organization, you know, instead of planning six pop-ups, we put that effort into, you know, digital and, and virtual initiatives. And so we just sort of pivoted a bit and been able to so far do that, do that pretty well. That's awesome, man. Well, we look forward to, um, you know, getting back to whatever this uh, quote unquote normal is going to be. Uh, I know. <laughs> Julie and I will definitely be at the Boston Marathon. We hope it's in, in and we'll see you there. So we're going to make a date to see you there, Matt, in Boston. Okay. I mean, is it is it going to be in April? Like what, what's going on? What's going on up there in Boston? I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. So far, um, I think Tokyo and London have both officially moved Move. their dates mm-hmm. to the fall, right? So yeah. Boston is the only spring marathon that's still holding on. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, the London experiment with the elites only was um, was certainly interesting, but it's not the same. I mean, right. Boston Boston is an elite only race is just not the same as right. the Boston Marathon, you know. So um, I'm hopeful, you know, maybe they'll get it in in April, and if not, come back in the fall and do it, you know, in September, October after the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just so hard to so yeah. hard to. It's hard to even know what's going to happen. You know, we're like a month away from Thanksgiving and it's like, are we going to see family or not see family? You know, (laughs) we try to plan ahead, but it's day by day these days. Exactly. 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 Well, you always, I mean, you guys always do. And for anybody who goes up to Boston, any of our listeners, you guys do such a fantastic job there. You guys have just so many things going on. Um, so I look forward to that, whether it's in April, whether it's in, you know, September, October, when it, whenever yep. it is, cause I know you guys are there and, and bring it, bring it straight. Yeah. We, so. we're, you know where to find us when yeah, you come. Sure. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I really appreciate the time. Congrats on everything. Uh, Thank you. Uh, we really want to pr- promote this, uh, alumni championships, go to tracksmith.com. Uh, sign up for anybody can sign up $20 to sign up and it supports such a fantastic cause that, um, you know, we've talked a lot about on the show and it's just awesome, Matt, that, to see you guys taking action and doing things for it. So, uh, congrats on that. Thanks. I really appreciate it. That's Matt Taylor, CEO and founder of Tracksmith. He joined us on Pace the Nation. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the program, and thanks again to CEO and founder of Tracksmith, Matt Taylor, for joining us on today's program. Good stuff. I really appreciate all that he's doing. Um, Really, um, I I like action. He's getting out there and doing it and helping out, and we've talked a lot about collegiate uh, running and the cuts and all that stuff on the program. He's out there doing it, so that's really cool. You know what also, Julie? He mentioned uh, the Big East and the ACC you know, as, as the two examples of conferences. I, I think he's strategic. Maybe yeah. strategic yeah, I think he, I think he is. You know, that's why he's good. It was hard for me not to say like, oh, the old Big East. I know, yeah. Because um, actually you ran in the old Big East. In the old Big East, yeah. Yes. Rutgers and had, and, and in similar fashion, had really close friends that came yeah. out of the conference from other schools right. that I still keep in touch with and trained with over the years. Yep. yep. Um, so... Yeah, it, but the Ivies are just a different. It's it's a different ball game, yeah. you know. If you run in the Ivy League, you you know the heptagonal championship heps is like the Olympics of the Ivies. Yeah. Um. So there's rivalries there, and you know, hundreds of years old. So it's it's a really um, neat experience, and so I think that community is really unique because mm-hmm. in the in the conferences that have shifted over the years it's never shifted in the ivy league yep. at least in in recent that's history that's a good that's a really good point yeah like so all these other, their yeah. their rivalries go way beyond you know stuff that Such we history. see in in other major conferences yeah. so it, yep. there's i think a, a level of caring and um, looking out for one another you want to beat them right? Right, right but but you also want to make sure that 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 they continue on and and you know step up and compete yeah, year like, over year. I think of like when I was in in, in college at, at Virginia and you know Docs and I obviously were at Virginia and it was Maryland Virginia basketball or Maryland Virginia football game that was huge. 
you know, state, you know, uh, border rivals. And now, yeah. now Maryland's yeah. in the and Big like Maryland who? Yeah. Virginia <laughs> who? in the Big Ten. And yeah, two Virginia's completely still, different yeah, conferences. conferences. So but, things have changed. But Princeton-Harvard, that football game, that happens every year, and that's a big deal to uh, to those folks. Um, and, and it has been for years and years. Um, so cool. Very cool to talk to uh, Matt Taylor. Thanks again to Tracksmith Matt Taylor for joining us on uh, today's program. Um, you know, he mentioned, uh, you know, we were talking about Boston. He mentioned the London Marathon, how elites only happen. It just wasn't the same. Um, but we haven't talked about uh, London since uh, it, it, it raced a couple weeks ago. It wasn't the same, but I'll take it. And it was pretty cool. Um, you know, really on the most notably for me on the women's side, um, Sarah Hall was just unbelievable. Um, really cool story. And I'm sure our listeners have seen the video of her finish, uh, but she was in ninth place at the halfway mark, uh, moved up to third by the 40 K mark and then sprints past like the, the world champion in the last like 150 meters with a kick. I was like, <laughs> who has a kick in a marathon? A miler. I mean, yeah, well, is she a miler or is Sarah, she, is she? Sarah, you know, she's won every major championship on the roads. Like, maybe not everyone, but, you know, she was road mile champ, you know, up to 10 mile. Mm-hmm. And now she's, you know, second at the London Marathon, um, beating some of the best women in the world. Well, she is one of the best marathoners yeah. in the world. She's She's kind of proved that consistently. I would say, you know, perspective is everything maybe maybe sarah would say that um you know maybe london was you know when you say london wasn't the same well her experience was different but i'm sure it just feels different on race day right when the elites are all out there and they're usually kept a little bit separate from um the rest of the runners lining up because there's fifty thousand other people running london or sixty thousand something ridiculous yeah but this this was not the london marathon course it was inside the park Mm -hmm. a loop inside the park um that they ran over and over and over and over um the fans really weren't allowed to be out there so it was a completely different experience the awesome part about it is it gave these elites an opportunity um to continue what they're doing you know i think sometimes we we think of um you know, the elite running as just kind of a part or an extension of, you know, the, the races that are happening, you know, for, for our listeners, for, for people who are getting out there and trying to achieve, you know, their first 5k or break that, you know, time in the half marathon or do something for the first time. But you also have to remember that, um, it's a professional sport and professional sports are getting back to, to competing. The NFL is out there, um, the NBA just, com- yep, you yep. know, finished up. Finished um, so, so this is a sport that has to be kind of, um, continued and supported. So kudos to London yeah. for, you know, probably taking a bath on it too, yeah, sure. you know, from a financial a standpoint point. to be able to step up and, and give these athletes an opportunity to continue, um, what it is that they're doing and, and really prepare for hopefully the Olympics and, and, um, you know, maybe and and hopefully return to normalcy in, in terms of competition next year. So um, it's really cool to see some of these opportunities popping up, um, some of these organic um, events that have come forth, um, you know, talking to Tracksmith and, and other brands that are doing all kinds of things yep. to try to support the community. But it's been really cool to see these opportunities pop up for the elites because um, this is their job. This is what yep. they do. Um, and and it's, it's really... Uh, special to see someone like Sarah 
take advantage and capitalize on that. It's it's not been easy for this group to, um, for the elites to continue to train. Without races. Without and, races, oh, yeah. through COVID, um, yeah. you know, with masks and, and really the hurdles that have come, you know, there's obviously through this time period, you know, COVID has been, you know, really... Um, uh, heartbreaking and, and really done a lot of damage. Um, but it, it, you know, there's folks that have these opportunities and things that, you know, it's their job. And, um, I'm just, I'm happy for some of these athletes to be able to get back out there. What was her personal best? 222.01. Uh, pretty incredible. Negative split. That's how you run a marathon. That really is. Um, for all of us, uh, who are not running 222, I think the best way to run a marathon, if you're whatever you're trying to do, negative split so props to her yeah it was an emotional finish too if you got to see some of the video of her like finishing and her husband ryan was like you know almost falling over the gate (laughs) screaming at her and and i think ryan coaches her so it was a really powerful moment for them as a family check that out yeah check that out it's all over the place on the internet uh you you can google it or Steve can tweet it out yeah. uh, either way. But like Matt said, you know, and alluded to these majors are all starting to be rescheduled for next fall. Yeah. And next fall could be completely bonkers yeah. in terms of marathon, you know, a n- few weeks later, marathon, few weeks later, marathon yeah. between Chicago, London, Berlin. Um, we're still waiting to hear on Boston, yeah. New York, um, for those of us regionally, Marine Corps, yep. Philadelphia, some, I mean, it could just mm, be you're crazy. Excited. I know. How but, many can I run? How many? Yeah. Many <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be, instead of a cram session for your training, yeah. that's going to be a cram session for your racing. Right. Uh, looking forward to that for sure. All right. This podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with a new location opening next month in Georgetown. That'll be our seventh store. Uh, Georgetown will be right on M Street. Uh, if you guys know where, let's say, I'll give you a landmark, right next to the Wisconsin, near Wisconsin and M, right next to the Lululemon, uh, right there in Georgetown. So check us out there next month. We'll be open on November 9th there in Georgetown. Also sponsored by Random Row Brewing on Preston Avenue in Charlottesville. Matt joined us on the Random Row Brewing hotline today. Uh, so if, if you're interested in random row and you're in Charlottesville, check them out on Preston Avenue right there in the heart of Charlottesville, or you can still check them out at coldcountrysalmon.com. They still are delivering beer to people who are local here in the DC area. All right. Finally, um, as we transition from Preston Avenue and random row brewing in Charlottesville to another story in Charlottesville. I think this is sort of exciting news on the college front. Well, it's exciting to you and I. Maybe more exciting to me than you, but uh, I'll, I'll let you break the news. Well, USTF CCCA, which is the organization that supports uh, college, cross country, and track and field, mm-hmm. kind of the federation that oversees it, um, and then that organization then you know works alongside the NCAA. Um, They announced that the fall 2023 NCAA cross country national championship is going to be hosted by none other than the University of Virginia. There you go. Yeah. So fall of 2023. I mean, you know, get set your put put it in your calendar now so you can be I I want all our listeners to be out there supporting. We're going to have a huge event at Random Row. 
Huge event for Pace the Nation at Random Row in 2023. I'm projecting like we're still going to be doing the show in 2023, but we will. Uh, huge event. It's at, only three <laughs> years from now. Huge two years from at, now. What? That may be our next uh, Pace the Nation happy hour, uh, 2023. But a uh, huge event, uh, at, at obviously, for collegiate cross country. And we're local um, here. You know, it's two hours down the road. Support it. Um, go out and, and watch it. But uh, that's really exciting news. So Get your 2023 calendar ready. Now, get, if get your iPhone now. goes out to 2023, mark it. Yes, do it right now. Yeah. So uh, congrats to uh, uh, Vin Lanana, uh, University of Virginia, and, and the team there for, for making that happen. Very cool. Do you happen to know when the last time University of Virginia hosted the NCAA Cross Country Championship. Great question. Um, it was on a horse track, I think. Really? Yeah. I think oh. it was um, It was probably 1980. I think it's on that horse track where they have that Foxfield party every year, I think. But around 1980. Do you have the answer? I do have the answer. Oh, okay. 1987. 87. Okay. All right. Yeah. Does it say the location? It does not. Yeah. I know it wasn't. We can say it was the horse track, though, because we don't <laughs> need to fact check. We don't. No. I don't know if um, I don't know if the internet was will go back past eighty past two eighty. Yeah, the internet like, doesn't know no, history. No, no, There's no, no history no. on the internet. No, so, uh, but I know it wasn't at where they're going to hold it in 2023, which is Panorama Farms. Uh, definitely not there. Panorama Farms, great cross country course. Um, so that'll be a great event, 2023. So yeah, I'm glad that you told them to get their calendars out. Hopefully, everybody marked it down, and we'll see you there. <laughs> All right, great show, Julie. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Thanks to our guest, Matt Taylor, uh, the CEO and founder of Tracksmith, for joining us. We'll also thank him for having a name that's easy to pronounce yes, and yes. a company that's easy to pronounce, too. the perfect guest. It's at Tracksmith. I can spell that. At Tracksmith on Twitter, on Instagram. Give them an instant follow. Yeah, so thanks, Matt. All right, episode 253 in the books for Julie. I'm Chris Farley. This is Pace Nation. We will see you next week.
were you were you at uh puma like when bolt was there when delilah was there like was that that bob, time were you period? there with bob kennedy was there i no post post bob, post post bob. bob. Okay. but i was there um I mean, my second week at Puma, um, I flew down to Jamaica. I met Usain. This was in 2007. He was wow. like underachieving, um, you know, Jamaican sprinter that, you know, actually a lot of people in Jamaica didn't have positive uh, feelings towards him because they thought huh. he was sort of lazy and didn't achieve his potential. And um, and I literally had a front row. I mean, I traveled That's with amazing. him all over Europe to the, I mean, icon stadium that year where he first broke the hundred meter world record, um, was at like a, was at a diamond league meet at icon before the wow. 2008 Olympics. And like, no one was, he just like came out of nowhere, beat Tyson gay and that race, you know, no one was expecting it. No one was there. And so anyway, and then you had to go to Beijing and sort of watch him, you know, wow. do what he that's, do what he yeah. did there. And that's yeah. pretty cool. It was pretty, that's pretty, pretty amazing. cool, man. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty good amazing. access yeah. there, dude. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. <laughs> so it was fun. I got lucky. Yeah. 